We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. Author Ralph Young writes that the history of America is a history of dissent. From the protest of the British Parliament's taxation policies that led to the American Revolution, to the fight for women's right to vote, to the civil rights movement, anti-war demonstrations and protests, and the Black Lives Matter uprisings, dissent has fueled change in the U.S. Young's newly published book is called American Patriots, A Short History of Dissent. Ralph Young joins us today on The Spark. Ralph Young is a professor of instruction of history at Temple University and author of or editor of several other books focusing on history. Dr. Young, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. So this is actually an updated version of your book, Descent the History of an American Idea. What prompted you to write this or at least update it? Yeah, well, that book came out in 2015, and it was a full narrative history of dissent in America from colonial days to the present. And, and basically, the theme of that book is that uh, the United States is a product of dissent. You know, even before the United States was formed, there were dissenters, religious dissenters in the 17th century, uh, political dissenters in the 18th century, which led to the American Revolution. And then it was put into the, the, into the Bill of Rights, and Americans have dissented ever since. Uh, when the book came out in 2015, uh, you know, I went, had gone all the way through, you know, the abolitionist movement, the women's movement, all the civil rights movements, the anti-war movements. Uh, but then after 2015, there's been a lot more dissent <laughs> uh, during the end of the Obama years and the Trump years, and it has grown at an exponential pace. However, what prompted me to kind of rethink everything about my book and the way I've looked at dissent was January 6th. And, you know, when these people invaded the Capitol and then you had afterwards people, you know, politicians who had been hiding in the cellar in the Capitol as the, you know, the Senate floor is being invaded in the House of Representatives, uh, later were saying, well, they were just, protesting, exercising their right to protest. And it got me to think, well, why do we have the right to protest? Why was it put into the Constitution? And it struck me that these framers of the Constitution, they were very aware that they were creating an experiment, Is, you know, an experiment in the idea that can people run a government? Is it we the people? We're, we're the ones who have the sovereignty. And um, because this was an experiment and if people could rule, uh, they wanted, of course, to have people join on to this and decide that they wanted to be a part of this new government. 
And of course, with the Bill of Rights and all these enumerated rights that we have, uh, you know, they put the right to dissent so that people would understand that if the government was not living up to its part of the bargain, they had a right to protest for these rights if they felt that any of these rights were not being uh, respected or protected. And, um, and the way so many people have looked you know, and so many dissenters over the course of American history, the way they've looked at our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, that these, this is like a contract and that uh, the government has promised to protect our rights and therefore we will obey the government. We will go along with this. But if you felt that your rights were not being respected, uh, then you had the right to protest. You had the right to protest for rights. What you did not have is the right to protest to uh, do away with somebody else's rights, that all people were equal under the law in the United States and everybody had equal rights, even though, incidentally, the framers didn't necessarily consider women would have equal rights or former you know, slaves or former slaves, et cetera. Uh, but of course, this has expanded throughout the course of American history. And when groups of people regardless of their racial, ethnic, or, you know, uh, sexual background, they had a right to protest for rights if they felt that their rights were being uh, delimited, as it were. So let's go back to January 6th. In the book, you make the point that it wasn't a productive political dissent, what happened at the U.S. Capitol in Washington on January 6th. What made it different? Well, first of all, they were protesting a lie. They were protesting based on conspiracy theories. And I think that many of the people that invaded the Capitol believe those theories. Uh, many of the people who did uh, knew that these were wrong, but this is what they wanted to have happen. They didn't, they didn't like the result of the election. What they were doing basically was uh, in a sense, going against the Constitution. They were trying to uh, exorcise the rights of what it was, 81 million people uh, that voted for Biden, which was something like 51.3% of the popular vote. And basically what they were trying to do was overturn their right to have a, a voice in the election because they didn't like the results of the election. Um, the thing you know that struck me you know as i was watching a lot of the footage of that day is that these guys were like like don quixote charging windmills they were charging a chimera they were attacking something that wasn't based in truth and dissent in order for it to be valid or effective has to be based on truth there has to be it has to be grounded in legitimacy uh, if if you belong to a group of people that rights are, are being denied and you don't you don't have the right to vote, for example, um, this is a legitimate grievance. But if you're trying to set up a situation that's going to you know maintain a system of white supremacy or a system in which you benefit but other people don't benefit from it. In fact, they may be, might be harmed uh, by the system because of the way you are benefiting. Then this is something that um, is, to me, not legitimate dissent. Let's go back in history. 
And uh, it was just an anniversary of the Boston Tea Party in uh, Mm -hmm. 1773. And you address this question in the book. Was the Boston Tea Party legitimate dissent or an act of property destruction or terrorism? Well, you know, that's a good question. And certainly, uh, like with the Earth Liberation Front in the, what, 1980s, 1990s, when they burned down ski lodges and did all this property damage, uh, and they were considered by the federal government to be a terrorist organization, eco-terrorists. And when some of the members of that group were called before Congress to testify, they compared their action to the Boston Tea Party, uh, which did tremendous amount of property damage. Uh, and it was property damage not against any government agency, but to you know, you know, merchants that were trying to bring the tea into the country. Um, this is one of the things in my courses on dissent in America, I get students talking about, is there a, a place for violent dissent? or at least violent dissent that's against property, if you're trying to make a point. Um, All of these things are very debatable, whether how legitimate they are or not, but they do have an impact, especially when you're hitting the economic interests of the power structure. So um, I wouldn't exactly call it terrorism. It was protest that basically gets onto the level of violent protest. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of examples of that throughout American history. Let's look at it. Here's kind of a broad question, but uh, what are some of the most influential acts of dissent that have been effective in American history? Well, you know, the women's movement, of course, the civil rights movement. And of course, we just you know, celebrated Martin Luther King yesterday. And um, these you know, have had a significant amount of success. But again, if you look at our society today, uh, do women have complete equal equal rights? Do African-Americans have complete equal rights? I mean, things are certainly better today than they were pre-civil rights movement or pre-women's movement. Um, But, you know, it's kind of a work in progress. That's another thing about dissent is that uh, dissenters push for progress, but almost always there's a reaction to it. You know, when a, when a dissent group, like when the women's movement was getting some real traction and moving towards the right to vote, you had the anti-suffrage movement come into being. When slavery was ended at the end of the Civil War, you had the birth of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, trying to roll back these advances, these progressions. And so one of the things that uh, is, you know, I also, also point out in the book is that dissent is moving in a certain direction, but for every couple of steps forward, there's always some backlash. There's steps going back with that. Um, one of the things I, you know, I, I, I like to emphasize to students in my classes is that, you know, when, when Jefferson wrote All Men Are Created Equal in 1776, he didn't mean what it means today. You know, he certainly didn't mean women and certain and many other groups. But the story of American history is the expansion of that phrase. That phrase means more today than it did 
back then. You know, by the 1820s, property, men who didn't own property got the right to vote. In the 1870s, black men got the right to vote. In 1920, women got the right to vote. So it's it, this, this, you know, cre this created equal idea is becoming more inclusive over the years. But then, of course, that begs the question, are we there yet? And there's still lots of economic inequality. There's a lot of other, uh, look at the anti-immigration you know, movement that's going on. There's so many different things that really need adjustment. Dr. Young, uh, you know, you were talking about always some pushback to dissent. You know, and you chronicle this throughout the book, the, the, that pushback. A lot of times at the beginning of dissent, when there was a campaign or a certain group was, uh, you know, was... Uh, implementing some kind of dissent, that pushback wasn't very popular among large groups of people, was it? No, no. And what it is, of course, is that people, uh, you know, have been very much uh, ensconced in their ways of thinking. And, you know, the thing about dissent, think of it as a process, process of erosion. There is this society and people have certain assumptions i mean for example you know assumptions until recently were you know that you know african americans were somehow inferior or that women were the weaker sex i mean basically there's these centuries long assumptions that so many people have had and dissenters come along and they push against these assumptions and uh, a student of mine once commented in a paper that he thought of dissent as a process of erosion. It's like the ocean you know, crashing against the rocks on the shore and eventually it becomes sand. And so think of dissenters are pushing for a new idea, a new way of looking at things uh, that, for example, that everybody is equal. And eventually it kind of uh, erodes the assumption that people have that there is inequality and it start, people start thinking in terms, yes, this is correct. And then it basically creates a new set of assumptions, a new reality within the society. Mm. Um, so this is, you know, it, it's this long process. And sometimes, you know, for many dissenters, it takes much too long for them to get the, uh, the goals that they were seeking. And along those same lines, uh, many of the dissenters were labeled as traitors or un-American. Yes. One yes. of the things I noticed in uh, the, the book is there are a lot of socialists who were dissenters and yes. actually started change, right? Yes. And, and also, um, they were really considered, you know evil traitors. I mean, Eugene V. Debs was arrested after he was protesting seriously against the First World War and uh, spent several years in prison, but and of course wound up conducting his entire 1920 presidential campaign from inside a, a prison cell. Uh, but a lot of you know, the ideas of Debs, even though socialism is still for a lot of people a bad word in this country, uh, but you know, it's much more accepted now. Um, uh, Eugene V. Debs, for example, is one of Bernie Sanders' per, you know, personal heroes. And uh, he is, as far as socialism is concerned, I suppose a lot of 
you know, strong socialists would not think of him as a socialist, but as a democratic socialist, which is much more in line with, you know, European kind of liberalism. Uh, but so many of the people that were, you know, vilified at the time, uh, you, know, pe- you know, Thoreau, for example, you know, used his cabin in Walden at Walden Pond as a, a stop on the Underground Railway where he kind of hosted fugitive slaves who were trying to escape. And yet, and of course, he was very much opposed to the fugitive slave law and for a lot of people was considered un-American and and now, of course, he's sort of a hero as far as most Americans are concerned. You mentioned that you updated uh, your last book because of the amount of dissent that we have today. Just listing a few. Occupy Wall Street, the Tea Party, Black Lives Matter, the 2017 Women's March, uh, reproductive issues, both sides uh, mm-hmm. that label themselves pro-life and pro-choice, uh, white supremacist. So all these things like coming at us at once, has there ever been a time in history where there have been so many people dissenting? Um, well, there have been different times. I mean, during the Civil War, of course, this was a pretty dissentful time. Mm. And the Civil War itself is a product of dissent, you know, product of abolitionists fighting and slavery, and then, you know, slave owners fighting against this. And, you know, incidentally, you know, speaking about violence and such, you know, the the abolitionist movement did not end slavery. It helped bring on the Civil War, which ended slavery, which was extremely violent dissent. But um, so there's so many, uh, so many different periods in American history, for example, during the progressive movement in the the first decade of the 20th century. Uh, This was when socialism was on the rise and the IWW, the International International Workers of the World, the, uh, there was, you know, that was a a very strong period of dissent. The 1960s, of course, uh, where dissent was in many aspects, it wasn't just about race and the war in Vietnam, but it was also about values. You know, you had beatniks and then hippies challenging American values and mores. And, you know, we still, you know, that had a huge change in American history. Today, dissent has, dissent has always been very controversial, but it seems to be, extremely so nowadays where you have a, a really a strong system of nobody wants to compromise on either side of these issues so we do have a very divided time right now how do you get past that i mean this is a question that has been asked for the last 20 years you know we have a very politically divided country right now and I'm, I'm, I've heard people say, oh, it's never been, the United States has never been this divided. Well, you just made the point. Civil War was, we had a pretty divided country at that yeah. time. But, I mean, is there ever a day where Americans do come together unless there's a national tragedy like September 11th, 2001? Yeah, it seems that it always takes something like that to bring people together. I think one of the things people need to do is to stop living in their silos where they only listen to the the ideas that they agree with and this of course is one of the problems with january 6th these people that invaded the capital didn't want the election to be the way it was and so they latched on to this idea of, of being stolen but we need to start listening to each other and 
even if somebody that you completely disagree with, they might say one thing that you might actually agree with. And we need to start respecting each other's values. Hmm. Are you optimistic that will happen? No, not very. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling you were going to say, say that. You know, I want to give an example of something happening today. Right now, there are demonstrations and protests over the Israeli actions in Gaza after Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. Much of the dissent has been pro-Palestinian protest, blocking roads and highways, disrupting public events. Um, I've seen that backlash of people being very angry over it. So how does, you know, are, is it hard to tell that we're having dissent out as it's happening and what kind of impact it will have? Well, you know, in a sense, when dissenters are creating havoc, like, you know, blocking traffic or uh, like part of the um, climate change uh, protests in, in England. Some people like, you know, handcuffed themselves to goalposts during soccer games, which really disrupted a soccer game. That's, that yeah, it's like a second goaltender. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> all of this, but, but this is basically part of the whole process of civil disobedience. Uh, you know, there's passive resistance, nonviolent resistance. But civil disobedience is something that you are trying to get people to stop and pause and realize there's an issue. But if it results in anger, does it help the cause? Generally not. Uh, and this is one of the things that dissenters need to be very aware of, is that the, the, the actions that they perform, are they winning converts or not? And if you're just getting people angry with you, you're, you're actually probably holding back the cause. We only have about 30 seconds, Dr. Young. What do you want readers to take away from the book? I, I want them to take away the fact that uh, dissent is basically a patriotic thing, that people are taking seriously what the American Constitution has promised, that we have, that we are equal, that we have equal rights, and that we have a right to dissent for those rights. Ralph Young is author of American Patriots, A Short History of Dissent. Thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank you. My pleasure.